0: talk with Pat caputo and the radio voice of the detroit tigers dan dickerson this one is gone on tigers radio 97.1
1: the ticket 248-539-9797 is the phone number great to be here with you like every week here on tiger talk on 97.1 the ticket double d dan dickerson is here uh, joining us 745 tonight, Tigers lefty Matthew Boyd, who uh had a pretty good year last year, uh, under the circumstances. And I have to say this I got to give credit to Dan for this,
0: you know, <laughs> because sometimes I'm right and
1: you know, I'm, oh, I'm like glad to, to be argue. right. But um, last year that was probably about this time we had a discussion about Matthew Boyd, and uh, I said, uh, you know, look, Dan, I, I admire Matthew Boyd, uh, all that he's done. I see Norris uh, having a higher upside, and I still do actually. And uh, but I think Matthew Boyd's more along a four A uh, type of pitcher who's gonna you know he's gonna get have some good games, and then he's gonna hit a wall and and things like that. And Dan said four A, you know, kind of like that. When we went back and forth, and I have Let's to roll say, tape. I have to say, <laughs> well, I think if you went back and looked at it, uh, I have to say that you were right and I was wrong. You know, I think Matthew Boyd was pretty good last year.
2: You know, he's an interesting case because uh, I think the last two starts obviously kind of stick in people's minds. But until then, and we talked about this a lot during the year, Matthew Boyd had gone from being one of the top three easiest pitchers to hit by OPS, real simple measure, but it's a good way to do it. I'll I'll take that list of top ten toughest to hit any day as the best pitchers in the American League or National League. And for the entire season, he was in the top ten toughest to hit 660 ops against until those last two games and then it it kind of ballooned in those last two games so it took away from and as you were down we're talking a few minutes ago maybe there was a course correction coming because he had benefited from a low batting average on balls in play and that usually does correct maybe that was the
1: correction. this is from my uh memory it was like in the 230s like for an extended period of time then it went up ended up in the 260s and it probably you know and that's
2: low and it's probably going to correct a little more this year But there were improvements. There's no question he was more consistent game to game. That was a 29 start stretch before the two duds at the end, where he was quite good and, again, much more consistent. I think he, there was, remember, he had two different pitching coaches who had very different philosophies right. about how he should use his slider and not use his fastball. That was Chris Bazio. Rick Anderson believes, used the fastball, and that velocity trended up toward the end, but it was still below where it
1: was in 2017. Yeah, that was kind of another uh, anomaly, too. So
2: it'll be interesting to talk with him about it, how he felt about it. I know he felt, but there's still upside there, I think, Two and a half walks, eight and a half strikeouts per nine. I'll take that. Oh yeah, and, and the velocity can be ninety-two to ninety-four, but he just didn't throw his fastball to start the year under Chris Bassio. which is t- kind of
1: strange. And I'll tell you this uh, in baseball, uh, you know, it, is, you know, you. I tend to look at things with an analytical bent a lot more than say ten years ago. You know, something like that. A lot of folks still look at it with the same bent that they had 10 years ago, and I respect that. I respect that part of the game, the scouts, all those things, Um, but the one thing that you can't measure, and this is an old cliche, you measure the size of the dog in the fight, but not the size of the fight in the dog, that type of thing. Uh, It's an old cliche, and with Matthew Boyd, there is definitely competitive character. When Matthew Boyd goes out there, whether it's one of those games, he's had a few where he doesn't get anybody out. He's, a, he's a former hockey player. He really competes. He really gets out. Well, that's part of it, maybe. You know, in a very, no, I'm good, just saying, it very good hockey it. Yeah. player. And he, kid who was very successful as a college pitcher. And if you look at his minor league record, very successful as a minor league uh, uh, pitcher. And I and I have to say this at the time that they made the trade when they got the two. Uh, Norris and Boyd. Morris and Boyd from Toronto. There's some places where I there's some folks that I know watch the games, you know, scouts scout that league, scout the Eastern League. And uh, I heard about uh, Norris and about Boyd. There were two scouts that I talked to had seen them extensively. One of them said Nor- Norris was the top prospect for the Blue Jays. He's this and that. He's better, you know, he's the better one. They thought that Boyd was like a 4A guy. But this other guy uh, told me he thought Boyd was going to surprise and be the one who would be better uh, pitcher. So you know, I've always kind of gone back and forth on it based on you know some scouts had looked at him and seen you know that you know even though the the it doesn't flash above average major league velocity, there isn't the traditional out pitch. He's not throwing a splitter or something that's some magic bean pitch. You know, <laughs> he's he he has to be real fine. He can't miss in the middle of the zone. He's going to get whacked around by some right-handed hitters. There's not something there, then that's what you know. kind of the knock on him has been. But look at what the season he had last year. And that tells you about how it's so difficult to project baseball players, and pitching in particular.
2: Yeah, when you make those improvements, even with the correction that came at the end, I mean, you're still looking at a guy, I think, who, who did figure some things out. It would be interesting to hear from his perspective how he looked at it. But when you see less of the wild swings – the ups and downs. As you said, he those starts where it'd be two and three innings and he'd be gone six, seven, eight runs. That, that That was not the case this year. It was much more consistent. His bad games, he'd at least found a way to go five and six innings most times. And that's a big step forward. That's knowing how to work your way through a lineup. That's knowing how to incorporate the game plan. It's knowing how to read hitters. I mean, all those things that come with experience. And when you look at it, he hadn't logged a whole lot of innings in the major leagues until this past year. So, He's intriguing, but, you know, you and I were talking, and if you can't be optimistic at this time of year, but in other words, somebody asked me today, what are some of the reasons you're optimistic about 2019? year are shaping up to be perhaps another year full of a lot of losses. Well, to me, the most optimistic scenario, you start with the rotation. You start with the possibilities of Fulmer, Boyd, Norris, and what all the upsides are for each one of those if Daniel Norris. It's a huge if right now. It's a huge year for Daniel Norris. But he's you have to remember, he still has that potential right. to be a top of the rotation guy. Let's say a number two starter. Would you agree? You talking about number, Norris? Norris. Does he have yes, the potential to be a number I, two starter? I mean, more that,
1: so than most people think, in right. my opinion. He's a very good athlete. You know, he's But got, this becomes a very big year for him. Right. He throws he's lefty, throws an average at least velocity, major league uh, starter, and he um is a good athlete, which is important so he can repeat his motion. Uh, he has the makings of a good slider. And a lot of time, it's just, and he's younger than Boyd. He's still just 25 or 26. Look, you know, look how long it took Andrew Miller to develop and some others. I definitely think, and he's had some injury issues. And I, you know, I think he's got a chance. Yes, I do. More so than, you. Know, like, if you were to ask, uh, I would assume an average Tiger fan. They can tell us what they think, 248 539 we Would love to hear from you on it. But that's. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Norris still has more of an upside than Boyd, for example, just based on the traditional things that I've right. always taught been taught, and then with the analytics that have come in. It's
2: a matter of it's a matter of keeping healthy, and that's been an issue. It's not for lack of effort, not for lack of like you said, athletic ability. He's no, just he's had, a good athlete. It's, it's just been one freak injury after another, and the groin last year was a obviously a, it just. Ruined his season, yeah, basically. But there's still something there. And just remember, there are some pitchers that it takes longer than others. Baseball, Carlos right. Carrasco, they kept waiting, 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 waiting in Cleveland all after right. that trade. Six years later, Carlos Carrasco does what everybody thought he could do at the time of the trade. That's, uh... I mean, it does take time, and maybe it'll never happen for Daniel Norris. But I just think that just remember, there are plenty of cases of guys who have supreme talent that everybody thought was going to be good. Yes, some flame out, but it sometimes it just takes a little longer.
1: And it doesn't go, uh, especially pitching. And it, it doesn't oh, tend to go. It's not it's linear. Not, is it? It's not linear at all. <laughs> it tends to go up, down, up, down, you know, sideways in different directions, and you know, uh, and there are some most most major league players, even those who have a eight, ten year career. There's a window of two or three years where they have their best years, and you don't know when it's going to happen. In some cases, it happens when they're very young. Uh, it doesn't happen often, like say they're 32, 33, or 34, but it does happen at 26, 27, 28 in, in that area sometimes where they just start to emerge. And, and it could happen in a case of a pitcher when he hasn't done anything and uh, in a certain sense, which Norris has struggled with. You know? He showed so much promise when he first came to the Tigers. Everybody got excited about it. Does He's not washed up by any means right. because of that. There's not some... He it's hasn't, not a history of arm trouble, no, really. He, you think he, of
2: the injuries, are all anything
1: but the arm, basically. He hasn't had uh, Tommy John surgery, right. which a lot of pitchers come back throwing harder anyway, or you know something like a rotator cuff or something that is very unusual uh, where they come back from. So there's definitely an upside for him. And look, I understand what people are thinking. I understand that it's like, oh, whatever, this team's going to just totally stink. Well, first of all, they won 64 games last year. But they they played better than a 64-win. I'm telling you, it felt is, very
2: different from the same exact number of wins the year before right, it
1: did. Because early in the year, you saw some things. The other thing, too, is they did that without Miggy, who, with all due respect to Nick Castellanos, Miggy, if he's healthy and all right, he's still their best hitter. Just ask any pitcher who's got a pitch to him. And um, Michael Fulmer, people are underestimating Michael Fulmer. Again, that pitcher up and down. Michael Fulmer was fourth in the major league among major league starters, according to StatCast Trackman Technology, uh, when he went out in velocity. He has the makings of a slider. We've seen that. He has the makings of a changeup. He's a competitive character. anybody's ever talked to Michael Fulmer for five <laughs> minutes, you know Michael <laughs> Fulmer has his act together. So, Michael Fulmer, a year removed from surgery, a Michael Fulmer who's determined. Uh, Michael Fulmer is not going to shrink up like a violet and go away. So they may have like a legitimate ace, you know, which he was uh, until he had that injury issue, which is not an injury that traditionally ruins careers. So, uh, you know, so if you have your best pitcher and your best hitter back, that's going to, you know, it's going to give you, uh, you know, some wins. Yeah, it will. And it'll provide you with some entertainment. Yeah. the other thing I want to talk about with you and, and
2: get some of your thoughts, the, the bullpen actually has the makings of, of some young arms that could lend some stability, hard throwers who can get swings and misses
1: for some years to come, and I want your thoughts on that. Well, I'm just that. glad Joe Jimenez is in the uh, major leagues. So I don't have to come <laughs> on here after the games and complain about it anymore. Drive the Tiger management nuts. 97 won the ticket.
0: Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 971 The Ticket.
1: 248 9797 is the phone number. Ticket text is at 97136. Hey, uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We do have open lines right now. Uh, reasons to watch the Tigers in 2019. Uh, season and you know people sitting around they're doing that and I'm not trying to blow you know uh, uh, smoke at anybody of just wonderfulness I mean it is what it is the Tigers no. in my opinion are doing what they they need to do but I, I'm not looking at it like oh every time I go down to the game I'm not going to see major league caliber players including those wearing the only English D I think you'll see a number of them
2: right and uh, I mean lost among an, another 98 loss season or at least some of the things that get tend to get overlooked in a 98 loss season he had a new coaching staff. What are some of the things we talked about that we thought the Tigers were, they would improve? Base running yeah, would did. be better. Defense would be better. And they were markedly improved right. in both areas. The amount of work that went into positioning and shifting was phenomenal as they really began to use some of the analytics that they really hadn't used until really last year. But Joe Vavra leading the way, Dave Clark, all those guys. Uh, and Guardi embraced it. But in other words, so the areas that you're looking for of improvement where they have been historically bad year after year, at least by the Bill James handbook, they've got a great way of evaluating base running, always near the bottom. Defense, always near the bottom. Two major improvements this year, from the middle of the pack or bottom to the middle of the pack or above that. So now you've got the makings of a better brand of baseball. You do. It's a better brand of baseball. And when the guys start coming up from Toledo guys who are going to be pieces of the future. This is, to me, the perfect coaching staff to get those guys to play the game the right way. So when you look at 2019, you're going to look for continued improvements along the line. Because I guarantee you, Ron Gardenhier doesn't feel like they're even approaching the style of play they should be at the level they should be. But he's getting them there. And I think that's going to be something to watch this year. But then there are guys that are worth watching at the major league
1: level. Kristen Seward's going to bomb the ball this year. Uh, he he could he could kind of become a bit of a he's capable of it. I'm not making any bold predictions, but he's a way better hitter than I think people realize, especially power wise. Uh, he's capable of hitting a lot of home runs. I mean, the ball when he's right and the thing he's the ball he he has some definite defensive deficiencies. Don't get me wrong, man. I do know that, but he definitely has a, a, a bat that's extraordinarily live. I'll say that. And he's got some patience at the plate for somebody with that live bat. And that's always something to look for for a young hitter coming up. To
2: me, when Stephen Moya came up and he was seven to one strikeouts to walks, Moya. and everybody was excited about his power, there was almost no chance in the world he would succeed at the major league level with a seven to one strikeouts to walks. just you have to walk a certain amount. Kristen Stewart. The power dropped off a little bit in the minor leagues. I think you and I have talked about that. It, it may have just been a boredom factor. I mean, he, he, he was ready for the fantasy. injury.
1: at just the wrong time. Just but anyway, he happened. still
2: drew walks. Right. He knew he knows how to get on base via walk. His strikeout rate is nothing out of the ordinary for a power hitter. I mean, this is a guy who probably projects to hit, what would you say, 230, 240 at the major league level, at least initially, but with plenty of power, 25 home run power if he gets 500 at-bats.
1: Uh, to me, it's 25. He's capable of if, if he really hits a ceiling more than what that is. He does have genuine power. Uh, I've seen a lot of his minor league at bats, and uh, there are times when he'll hit a ball out, or he'll want, he's one of those rare guys who'll one hand a ball, a breaking ball that he's kind of fooled on, and he'll hit it way up into the right field seats. So his uh, strength uh is and he hits the ball and I don't know what this the the technology is going to show with exit velocity uh, but when he's going right he hits the ball really hard so you know that gives him a chance and he's he, you can tell he's got a, he's got a pretty solid approach at the plate um he may not be a high average hitter that may be right uh but the, the, the that doesn't matter it's the ops i i I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me that if Christian Stewart had a, a few years in the major leagues where his OPS is over 800, I think that's right. being conservative.
0: So, yeah.
1: Or if he got up to the 900 area. He does have, and he's at an age now uh, where he's entering his prime. He's not a guy that uh, is a younger prospect where you're looking. The other thing, too, is they got, they're going to have a bunch of uh, fellows that are coming up that have got a ceiling. They're not just, hey, you know what, these are guys that have been in their system. It's their turn. Uh, They've got some guys. Which
2: is really what it's been in recent years for the most part.
1: You know you what I tell you this. One time last year when the whole Rally Goose thing was going on, you know, the team was doing better. I (laughs) ran into Kirk Gibson, like, walking to the, you know, bathroom or something like that, and Gibby says something like, what do you think? And, you know, I said, uh, you know, it's nice to see some athletes out there for the Tigers. And he goes, exactly. You know what I mean? Because as good as they were, you know, they were a one-dimensional team. Uh, they either bombed the ball out or they didn't. They relied on their starting pitching almost essentially and uh, to win them games, those two elements. And when they didn't do it, it wasn't very exciting. Uh, last year, there were times when it was nice to see some athletes out right. there. You know, Jacoby Jones tracking down a ball. Um, you know, some of the plays that uh, Candeliero made at third base. You know, it, they, they did some things defensively uh, that showed some speed, some athleticism, which I thought was good. And they do have some pitchers that can move very quickly. And when they come up, you're going to like that. You're going to like it, I think, to see players that are new and fresh uh, that you've been reading about, and you finally get to see them wearing that old English D. And the Tigers aren't babying them. You know, they're they're pushing them up there. Hey, Jake, you're on uh, Tiger Talk at 97, won The Ticket. What's up, buddy?
3: Hey, Pat and Dan. How you guys doing? Good. How Good. are you? Great. It's great to talk baseball. Uh, I'm so happy that, you know, the season's coming up. Tiger's Fest is coming up. It's just... The great energy great feeling uh I'm I'm excited about this year this is one of the first years you know that I could remember where you know I usually start writing out my 25 man roster right now and you know just getting excited for the season and I can't finish it this year And you know it's exciting because I'm thinking to myself well who's going to be that guy who's going to come out of nowhere and you know like all these other teams the Astros they had Gregman and you know I'm not saying we might have one of those guys this year but there's a chance you know Franklin Perez, I want to see what we have in him. Obviously, with our catching position up for grabs, and I'm really excited to see all these young guys and just see the growth that they've had over the offseason. Joe Jimenez, I see star power with him. Once, uh, you know, I mean, I, I have confidence in Shane Green in the bullpen, but once it is time for Joe to take over the closing closer's role, I could see, I see all-star potential in him, no doubt. So. I'm just excited to see all the growth in the team this year.
1: Well, see, I think um, a lot of times you look at prospects and you don't know who's going to make it or not make it, but I was just kind of analyzing the Tigers the other day. It was a column I wrote, and it was like, well, what if they had Corey Kniebel, uh, Eugenio yeah. Suarez, Robbie Ray, and uh, who was the other one? I'm you know uh, Somebody that was uh, traded from the organization who's doing very well elsewhere I put it in there i'm drawing uh, a blank for, for milwaukee for milwaukee Brewers, well, uh no no Ryan. i mean they got Han, hanan perez and you could say obviously al garcia and there was one other one though that's uh i don't know i'm drawing a blank somebody that's like uh doing real well got a starter a closer uh you know but uh they had a uh, third base shortstop uh, uh willie adamas who uh made a oh, debut yeah, with, with tampa you're right so if you had those four guys and then you throw garcia <laughs> in there and uh you know, Hanan Perez, who they get put on waivers because they just didn't have a roster spot for him at the time. Yeah,
3: but you can't blame you can't
1: blame that because that's when we were making our. You know, that's right. That's what I pointed crowd. out. You know, that was yeah. them in go for it mode, and uh, so. But it, it shows you that. Uh, but did you think that Corey Knievel would be out there in the playoffs? Nobody could touch him. Eugenio uh, I mean, Suarez. Would be like really, a MVP, you know, getting close to that. I mean, he's had a phenomenon. He's one you know. of the best third basemen. That's the probably league. the worst of the trades because
2: you have to follow each trade out, right? Right. I mean, the the Robbie Ray became Shane Green. Canabel I, I went to the Rangers on. and then to the Brewers. Right. Joaquin Soria then becomes Jacoby Jones.
1: But it tells you the farm system does produce some guys. Right. And when you move on your top prospect guys like Willie adamas now you know he may was end David up, Price. They might move him on because stop in line but Willie Adamas 21 22 years old now right um you know he played pretty well last year for uh Tampa Bay at his age to reach the major leagues so yeah that's uh kind of how it all works out but anyway two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number Jim we'll get to your call coming up next he's Dan Dickerson I'm Pat Caputo 745 Matthew Boyd will join us hey it's Tiger Talk on one. the ticket
0: Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 971
1: the Ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Ticket text is at 97136. We'd love to hear from you tonight. Like Jim, you're on Tiger Talk on 971 the ticket. What's up, buddy?
3: Hey, Pat, thanks for taking the call. How you doing? Good. good. Good to hear your voice. Dan, good to hear your voice as well uh, with a couple of uh, snowstorms on the horizon. Right, <laughs> That's right. Talking
4: baseball. <laughs> it's <laughs> always
2: good to be talking baseball in January.
4: You betcha. A uh, question for you guys. Uh, just to kind of doing some armchair managing here. Uh, with the Tigers uh, recently signing Castellanos to, to the one-year deal uh, with Victor being retired, and, and we know that Mickey's numbers have kind of declined over the years by and large because of, the, because of all the injuries that he's had. Uh, do you think the Tigers, uh, Ron, Ron Gardenhire, would ever consider uh, moving Castianos to first on a full-time basis and making him big of the DH? What do you guys think?
2: It's been talked about. I think they would just just reading. I don't know this, but I think they would have liked for him to say, "Yeah, I'll give that a shot." Uh, and I don't think he had any interest in it. You can't blame him in some ways because in his career, he's gone from in the minor leagues shortstop to the outfield to third base, learning it at the Major League level, to learning right field at the Major League level. And I think he's done with it. It's like he's putting in all this hard work, and it's, you know, he wants to stay in a spot where he can maybe approach, you know, average. And I'm not being right. funny, but I mean, he's obviously grades out well below average right now in right field. So I don't blame him, but I do think, to be honest, I mean, he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. The best thing for right. his career might be a move to first base because teams are looking at, he may not like it, The teams have their own ways of evaluating, and they uh, they're going to look at that defense in right field. And I don't think it's going to be a plus when he gets to
1: be a free agent. You know, Jim, what I heard is uh, that uh, the fact that he was so lukewarm to it, okay, Um, because what Dan said was exactly right. You know, it's not Nick Castellanos who hasn't put effort into it. He's put tremendous effort into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the it is what it is. And it's like, okay, first base. And I think, you know, my unsolicited advice to Nick Castellanos, go try to play first base because you, you might end up with a lot more money in your career and all those things. But he's prideful. He's, he, he was a shortstop all his life before he became an amateur. They put him at third base, and then they signed uh, uh, Prince Fielder, and then, you know, they switched around their infield, put him back out in outfield, then put him back at third base. And put him in right field with all this talk about his defense. <laughs> and all the guys ever done in the offseason from everything I've been told. But, you know, credible sources, you know. He works hard. He works really hard despite what's happening. And he's, you know, last year I thought he he had a couple of streams of consciousness. We probably got some sound out there. He's a sincere, honest guy who came out talking about analytics and like, what the heck, I've done all this. So I think they're, they got the message that it's enough's enough on that from him. And that's why they're not going to do it, and why he's on the trading block. You know, if he had if he had agreed to go to first base, there might be a possibility he might get a long term deal if he had done that last year and uh, shown some promise there. You might see Nick Castellanos with uh, with a you know one of those bridge contracts. Right, you, know, bridge,
2: yeah, bridge contract, you know, yeah, bridge contracts.
1: You know, to some you know, right. and then you know, making a lot more money. But he, you know, to his credit, and this I mean this sincerely, he has an ego. And that ego is he's a ball player and, you know, he's done this and I, you know, so uh, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of debate about it. And then when you look at the analytics of things, you know, is there, is, does defense outweigh what he does offensively? What is the Tigers' template and other teams' template? Because we look at war and these different versions of it, every team has their own version of That's
2: it. That's right. So. And the, 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 people might say, well, why would he work at first if he didn't work at third? And he graded out, obviously, below average at third. Here's the thing, he graded out below average mainly because of he just didn't make a lot of plays. It wasn't because he made a lot of errors, it wasn't because he had an iron glove. His right. his it was he graded out poorly because he just didn't make a lot of plays. It's less of a factor at first, but he does have decent hands. He does. And I think he could play first just fine.
1: You know, he his range factor isn't that good, but I think he's he's a decent enough athlete overall. You know, he, he doesn't get hops on balls, different things like that. It shows you how great the quality of uh, an average major league defender is. Yeah. But um, you know, because Nick Castellanos would be by far the best uh, player in the Big Ten defensively as an outfielder. You know, I mean, most years. You know, so I mean, yeah, he would be. So it just tells you the difference between that, and um, so it's it's it is what it is. So, but that that is one of the reasons you may see him on the block. I think you're going to see him on the block, uh, and, po- and probably traded at one point. But I, I would have—I've said it over and over again. People listen to after the—that uh, that's something he should do. That they should look at. I think they've—they, from what I understand, floated it out there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think so. And I don't—I think that that little float they got—you know—they <laughs> they, found out quickly. They found out quickly that th- he, that's not going to come with. A, and he has been receptive to everything. Right, he's a great, he's a great guy. You know, I mean, he, he's he's a genuine guy. So you know, the, that's not the issue where he's just an egomaniac and it's out of control. But he, he it, my impression of it, just enough's enough. Right, I that's I a good way him. of putting it. And I really, and he said a lot of things that were a pushback on metrics and guys like me that get up there and you know write and say things like that. But I appreciated what he said. It you was know, fun to hear from a player's perspective. Absolutely, how he felt about it, right. you know. And if he goes off on that, that's cool, you know. And that was honest. There wasn't a bunch of BS answer or moping around. Right. He just was real sincere about it. If he talks about like the salaries and the players that are doing stuff, he's just being honest about it. I appreciate that about Nick you know I didn't want to say that, and uh, man, he can hit. You know, I mean, you know, we talk about his defense all the time. I, I really like his approach as a hitter. You know, and
2: it's an, in this day and age. As we've talked about with the mounting strikeouts, he's still pretty aggressive. But you know what? It works, and he can hit every kind of pitch. That's the other thing. Look at some of the hits he had to right field. That just breaking balls down, down and away. He'll just flip it into right field or flick it into left field. I mean, this is a guy whose approach to hitting, as you said, I think will be in demand. I think the Tigers are asking a lot for that reason.
1: Well, he had that approach you know, with launch angles and all those. Well, he hits line drives. He hits, he hits, hits his, the ball with authority. His, his, at times, his exit velocity starts to flash really high. I mean, I'm getting into the technology thing, but it does start to flash really high at times. He hits the ball hard. He's a and he's going to hit it harder. He's going to be he's going to be stronger, and he worked on his athleticism, meaning base running. His base running much improved you know, he, the last two years. He, he gets himself as physically fit as he can to play the game. He approaches the game. He grinds. He's got a lot of good qualities. But it's undeniable that as a fielder at the major league level, and this isn't the try-hard league, it's undeniable <laughs> that he costs you runs. And last year he had and that's a... a
2: matter of how teams evaluate how much.
1: He had a 2.7 war last year. And it like doubled his career war. You know, and his, his offensive metrics were really good last year. So, it tells you how detrimental he is to your team defensively, despite his efforts.
2: Yeah, real quick, we were talking earlier. There, there are other evaluation systems. We don't hear about win shares very much, but it's from one of it's a system created by one of the most brilliant minds I've ever seen in baseball, Bill James. Mm-hmm. It's his system. It's very complicated. It's very well thought out. You don't hear about it much, but it's in the Bill James handbook. If you're above 20 catches your eye, you're above 25, you're you're becoming pretty near elite. He was at 26 last year in the win-share system. Again, not something you're talking about, but it just does remind you that others may value what he does, even with subpar defense, or maybe his defense isn't as bad as Warwood suggested it is or defensive run safe suggests it is. Just something to keep in mind. Every Someone's going to value that measure. bat. One, one team values that bat. Tigers might get what they want.
1: They're asking for a lot, and they should. Brian, you're on uh, Tiger Talking, at 97.1 The Ticket. What's up, buddy?
3: Hey, guys. Uh, Dan, privileged to speak with you. I, I wanted to talk about uh, Nick Castellanos also. Um, I I know he's going to be a free agent after the season, but he's under 30, and I, I'm not really sure why it seems to be a foregone conclusion that he won't be a Tiger, uh, why, why they won't extend him unless it's strictly a budget issue, because the Tigers have a lot of um, young and up-and-coming arms that don't seem like that Far away from um, making them possibly at least competitive in the rotation again. I'm not sure why you'd let a middle of the order bat um, walk away. It, it it seems like it might be a um, a statement as to how far away from competing again the Tigers feel that they are. That they'd let a guy who's what is, is Nick what 28? That they that his 26,
1: 27. It, it, yeah. it is. It isn't about that. It isn't about that. It's about and he, he his value isn't going to be as much. And I I can. Tell listening to you, uh, Dan knows this as well. It's it's not about like yes. If you look at his traditional numbers, all the things that Nick Cassianos grew up thinking that this would get him whatever he thought, that aren't the, those aren't the numbers that are going to get a player that type of contract. Um, if he were a free agent right now, he'd be one of the guys waiting it out. Mike Musakis is waiting it out, you know, for the second year in a row. And look at his production compared to Nick Castellanos at a very similar. Take. Did you see
2: Nick coming back on a qualifying offer deal? Uh, I don't. You know, twenty twenty. I, I
1: don't. It could be. It depends you think he's on what they be traded. I def. I think that uh, if he hits the way he does, I think there'll be somebody who'll have a specific need, and uh, I, I think that's uh, what they'll do with him. But I, I know this. Al has learned a lot in the years that he's been there. One of the things he's learned is don't give a player away. Right, you don't have to trade a guy. You you play the leverage game. I think um, I think he he, he I, in retrospect he looked back in the JD Martinez and I haven't talked to Al so this isn't coming from Al. He he let that go 13 days before the deadline. If he had to do it over again he might not. And he glad he waited on Verlander. Right. He said, "This is what Justin is friggin' Verland. Right. And all of a sudden, yeah, man, we're, he we're a, glad to keep him for two years. It's like this is Nick Castellanos. I'm not giving him away. That's right. 97 won the ticket.
0: Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97 One the Ticket.
1: Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Hold that for a bit. Uh, we got a nice special treat joining us now. Tigers left-hander Matthew Boyd. What's up, Matthew?
4: Hey, how's it going, Pat?
1: Good. Good to uh, have you on here today. Dan Dickerson's here. Man, you know, how Dan. are you? Um, hey, Dan. You know, great to uh, you know hear from you. I know last year was a really good year for you and uh kind of a breakout year in a certain way if you look at the consistency and uh what happened last year what was uh kind of the magic formula that uh at times you'd shown that uh over periods but last year for the longest stretch
4: you know um it was uh it was it was multiple things you know to put it on any one thing obviously would be um we would just kind of be selling the importance of the whole body of work you know short but uh Gosh, a big thing was just living in the moment. Um, attacking one pitch at a time. Um, truly wrapping my mind around that. Truly committing to that on a pitch-by-pitch basis. And, uh, you know, not looking ahead. And knowing that, you know, if you make a bad pitch and the guy gets a hit or, you know, magnify it, something worse happens, the guy gets a homer or whatever, you still got the next pitch. And you attack with the next pitch. And you go forth from there. And then you couple that with, you know, um, my slider became a pitch that was inconsistent in the past, and this that last season it became a pitch that, uh, you know, was significantly better for me, and um, I was able to command it not only to my glove side but to both sides of the plate, and uh, you know, pitching off my fastball later in the season, and um, you know, things like that, uh, game planning, learning how to go through attack hitters, kind of wrapping my mind around that, and just. You know, last but not least, the work that Bozio put in with me while he was there, and then Rick Anderson did through the end of the year. Um, those pitch, those guys, those two guys, were instrumental in me. And you know, Andy really got me back to my heater at the end of the year and helped me get out front with that thing. And uh, that's you know why we ended on the note we did. It was, it was exciting. I'm excited for the next season and uh, to build off of that.
2: We're looking at, and we talked about this through the year, Matt. That through 29 starts all year long, and through 29 starts, you were in the top 10 toughest pitchers to hit as ranked by on-base plus slugging OPS. That's not a small thing. You look at that list, you'll take that list of pitchers every time. That's an elite level of pitching. I know the last two starts weren't great, but you ended the season. I thought it spoke to all those things you just talked about in terms of the improvements you made, but it also seemed to, even with kind of two starts, I know you didn't like to end the year, you ended up the year pretty fired up about 2019
4: completely um i'm i'm excited for what we can do this year and uh um i mean i not only personally i know i've gotten better in these last five months um in numerous ways but uh i i'm excited what we can do as a team and um i i think that if you look at our team collectively we took a lot of strides as a team we made a lot of steps um going forward and uh uh you know you saw glimpses of it and uh and we believe it, and we believe, you know, we, we know what we can do, and uh, I'm excited to, to tow it up with all the guys in the spring, uh, you know, here in another few weeks and, uh, and get after it.
1: You know, one of the interesting parts of your background is uh, you, you played hockey at a, at a very high level, and, you know, today a lot of kids, more and more, you know, uh, specialty, you know, showcase tournaments, these different things. Do you think being a multi-sport athlete Ultimately, helped you more than hurt you, rather than just focusing in on oh, baseball.
4: Com- yeah, yeah, completely. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely. I mean,
1: <laughs> I spent so
4: many hours in an ice ring growing up, uh, and uh, there were lots of trips where I'd take my glove and a bat. You know, my dad and I would uh, <laughs> would be out there at some random Fraser Valley, in British Columbia, you know, Greater Fraser Valley area ball field that you know no one had touched because everyone was in an ice rink we'd be it around and stuff but uh i mean like you know that's it was it was awesome i wouldn't have it any other way you know i uh i loved it was like okay you know july just wound down time for hockey tryouts time to kick this thing in gear and then boom you're ultra competitive there and you know it's it's you know the competitive mindset's there but it's 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 a different dynamic and uh you know, I think that's I think you need to have that as a kid. The years I played football I think it was the same way. It's like the competitive side never leaves you but the uh the whole um you know, you're throwing your body, I wanna go crush this guy in the corner right here. It's a lot different than, you know, being calm and having that presence on the mound where you're just gonna go on an attack right here. Down in a way where you don't want to run your head through the wall. At least I don't want to run my head through the wall. I mean, it's a little different than some guys. I know there's some guys in the big leagues that do that. But, uh, <laughs> Learning but how to yeah, channel I mean,
2: that is big though, isn't it? I mean that that's a great that's a great point. You can in two sports that you played football and hockey you can take it out, but in, in baseball you have to channel it.
4: Exactly. And you know, it's like, yeah, I can't <laughs> I'm not on a I'm not on a on a penalty kill am you know, going a <laughs> full blow into the corner. It's like you can't have that mentality when you're uh, when you're playing, you know, it's uh, when you're on the when you're between the white lines. So, uh you know, you figure out what works, and it also I feel like it, it, it develops me in that way too. Realizing I had both sides. You're,
2: so you, on, you're, you're on the blue line, right? And then you said I think toward the end you got to finally got a chance to to play a, a wing, if I'm not mistaken, and and found exactly. that you had a little scoring touch.
4: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, <laughs> uh, my first two games, I think I had uh, I had back-to-back hat think I had like. <laughs> Maybe maybe seven goals from the point in like the five years prior. So it uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I, I loved it. I loved it, and, and I got to hit people more when I was on wing. It was like I was in the action so I was like, this is I've been missing out on this the whole time. This
1: is what I'm <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know the one the other thing that's interesting about your background. You played all the way through college baseball at a top program. And I don't think people sometimes realize what a great baseball program uh, they have at Oregon State. I mean, it's as good as any program in the country at this point, and you were a big part in building that. Uh, And then you go through the minor leagues. How much of an advantage, disadvantage was that compared to, like, do you wish you were 18 and you started pro ball, or was that an invaluable experience to play at such a high level in college?
4: Uh, You know, uh, this is just me personally. I think if I was 18 in pro ball, I'd I'd probably be a – probably be in the military right now or, or uh, you know <laughs> right. something uh, you maybe weren't ready nice. <laughs> I wouldn't be playing baseball uh, that's the case that's that's for sure the truth i those four years at Oregon State were I mean I not only grew as a ball player least and bounds but um I grew as a man there and that's that's I, I mean you know a product of of, of coach Casey and Maevsky and Pat Bailey and other all the other coaches that were there right. and, uh, you know those guys um I mean yeah, talking, you know, talking about competition. I mean, I remember one morning after weights, we're running in a dark indoor football facility because the sun hadn't rose yet, and there's our, you know, 59 year old head coach beating us in a sprint, yelling at us as he's beating <laughs> us. You know? and, and it's just like I just, I just think of I, 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 I man, it was, it was, it was, those were the best years. I'm so grateful, um, you know, that Oregon State University is, you know, really made me the way I am today.
1: Hey, you know what, Matthew? We appreciate the conversation, appreciate the time, and uh, best luck to you this coming season. We'll man. see you next week, right? Yeah, we'll,
4: we'll see you next week at Tiger's Fest. The Tiger Fest.
1: It. That's right. We'll see yeah. you then. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it, man. Have a great thanks, night. Matt. Of course. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank uh, you. Have a good one. Thanks. Uh, that was uh, Matthew Boyd. Coming up next, I believe, is Pistons Tonight, correct? And then I'll be on, me and Ken Cow, who's in Calgary. You're not going away. Yeah, we got uh, Inside Hockey Town coming up. (laughs) It's Tiger Talk. We appreciate it tonight here. 97 won the ticket.